This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Praise God. All right, if you brought a Bible with you, I'd like to invite you to open it with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, if you can find that opening in your Bibles or on your device, whatever it is that you happen to be using. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. You all ready to receive the Word? Praise God. Uh, Six of you are. How about the rest of you? You all ready to receive the Word? Praise God. Let's, let's position our heart and our minds. Let's get ourselves uh, lined up here so that we can receive from heaven. The Bible says the entrance of His Word gives light and gives understanding to all of us. So praise God. Father, we thank You for this portion of our service today. And as we do so, Father, we, we come with reverence and with humility, Father God, before You and Your Word. We thank You, Lord, for what it is that You promised We thank you for what it is that you have done. And Father God, we stand, we rely on the integrity of your word. And we know, Father God, that it is true. And so together, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, I want to thank you, Father God, for speaking to each and every one of us. I thank you, Lord God, for the encouragement that the discouraged need. I thank you, Father, for the peace that those that may be experiencing fear may need. I thank you, Lord, that whatever the need may be, if it's wisdom where there's confusion, Father, whether it's encouragement, where discouragement may be, I want to thank you, Father God, for meeting that need today, supernaturally as only you can, by your Spirit and by the living Word of God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Read with me here, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul was talking to young Timothy, his protege, and he says, I charge thee therefore before God and before the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They will turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I want you to notice this next verse. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? In other words, there's something in store for all of us. But I want you to notice particularly the Apostle Paul said that he had ran his race, he'd fought his fight, he'd kept the faith. This morning I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, staying the course. And we're going to look at some different examples in the Bible. But, you know, I think as human beings sometimes it's a little bit hard for us to get our heads wrapped around the concept of eternity. But, you know, we're all heading toward eternity. The destiny 
where our lives are concerned is forever. Now think about that for a little bit, if you would. We don't really think in those terms as human beings. Because, you know, we're, 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 we're trapped, if, as, as it were, <clears throat> in this thing called time. And we keep track. And, you know, <clears throat> it, it, it's an amazing thing, eternity. And yet that's exactly what the Bible promises for those who believe and are faithful in their walk with Jesus Christ. Eternal life. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Yeah. The Apostle Paul, he made an attempt in helping us understand uh, this concept in his second epistle when he wrote, uh, and this is, or I'm sorry, did I say Paul? I meant Peter. Peter, in 2 Peter chapter uh, 3 and verse 8, in the uh, English Standard Version, it says this, do not overlook, listen, this one, what's that word? Fact. Do not overlook this one fact. Beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Everybody say, I'm thankful for that. Yes, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come or reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. I said, it will come. And he said, it'll come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. We say, I hope I'm not around for that. Well, if you're a believer and you know Jesus, don't worry, don't worry your pretty little head. Glory to God. He'll take care of you. How many of you believe that? But he said that he's coming, and it'll be like a thief in the night. And we need to be prepared as believers. And as, as humans, we live in this finite, seemingly, I, I say that, measurable time frame. And we judge everything from that point of reference. So when we begin to look at God and spiritual things, well, it just takes faith and godly character to endure because this is not the end of your life. Praise God forevermore. I'd hate to be living in the world and have no hope after this life, wouldn't you? And thank God for the believer and the child of God. It's, it's, it's not that way. But eternity, eternal life, it's kind of like that road trip that you take with your kids when they say, are we there yet? When are we going to get there? You know, they think they're on some eternal, you know, thing. Of course, you, you know better. You know the time frame in which you're working, so on and so forth, but they don't. So we're a little bit like those kids, you know, when it comes to trying to relate to eternity. Like Noah. God spoke to him and said, I want you to build an ark. And it took decades. Does anybody know how long it took him to build that ark? How many? 120 years. Now, listen, man, you, that's what I call a long-term vision. Huh? But he started off on this, and I'm sure that he was mocked and criticized, and, you know, all manner of things were said about him, and so on and so forth. But, you know, I think everybody's tune probably changed the day that he locked the door and it started raining. 
You know, the things that God says, they're true. It will come to pass exactly as he has said. And so as much as, and you know, think about the enduring work that Noah took on. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. But he stayed the course. And thank God when the time came, he had a place of refuge. And he was able to go therein and was saved. Well, thank God you and I have the privilege to do the same. You know, Jesus said that he was coming again. How many of you believe that? How many of you know that? I'm telling you, he is going to come again, just as Peter got done telling us just there a moment ago. And so here we are into the 21st century since he said, I will come again. 2,000, over 2,000 years down the road. And you know, like I said, with God, a 1,000 years is like what? One day? And one day is like a thousand years. So he does not think in our terms. And it is incumbent upon us as believers to think on his terms. And to always know that he will bring to pass exactly what it is that he said. So what then becomes the responsibility of the child of God? Of course, to remain faithful. You know, to be engaged in kingdom business. You know, when Jesus was writing, he talked about this whole scenario in Matthew chapter 24 and 5. And he talked about the parable where, you know, the Bible talks about how that there was this responsibility to give given to someone. And, and uh, this, this servant basically said, well, the Lord delays his coming. And so he began to be rude and unmannerly and, you know, uh, doing things that were displeasing to those around him. And not only that, he did some other things as well. Well, in a time when this servant didn't expect, his king came back. And he reaped uh, a pretty unfortunate harvest. Well, you know, as children of God, thank God we don't have to be blind, sighted. We don't have to, you know, look, you know, so closely to things and say, well, you know, where's the sign of his coming? He's coming. And he only asked us just to be ready. Everybody say, I'm ready. And if you aren't, you should be. Glory to God. Amen. You know, so this morning I want to talk to you about just staying the course, finishing the race. You know, in the last few weeks I've talked about these different kings, you know, like Uzziah and different ones. As long as they sought the Lord, the Lord caused them to prosper. But unfortunately, in the latter part of their lives, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't stay with it. They allowed pride or arrogance or who knows, money, whatever. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, wrote the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and, you know, the author of all of these things, and yet in his latter days, he went stupid. I guess if you were married to 300 women, you'd probably go stupid too. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I mean, you know, come on. I'm just saying. Don't look at me in that tone of voice, ladies. He had 300 wives. guy... That's a mistake. I'm just telling you. Amen? Once enough. All right. Thank you for your enthusiasm. 
Well, what's unfortunate about that, it wasn't just so much that he married 300 wives, it's the wives he married. Because they were foreigners, they were ungodly, and they led him and his heart away from God. Well, we don't want to let that happen. I said, we don't want to let that happen. We want to be like the Apostle Paul who said, hey man, I've kept the faith, I've finished my race, I've, I've run this thing, and... Uh, uh, I've, I've uh, done what I need to do here. Glory to God. You know, enduring to the end, remaining strong. And, and one thing about it is, I'll be honest with you, this isn't necessarily an easy thing to do. Am I in the right house? There are certain things that you have to put in place in order to ensure that you're going to get where it is you want to go. Are you listening to me? You know, there's got to be a devotion in each and every one of our lives toward God where, you know, study, reading, meditating, prayer is a part of our individual lives. It's not up to someone else to do it for us. We each have that responsibility. I'll tell you another thing is accountability. No man is an island. That's why we do small group. That's why we, we, we create these environments where that people can become engaged, become committed, and not only that, but be accountable. Because when you're not accountable, when there's no one watching, you run the risk of making some really dumb decisions. Thanks for your excitement. Glory to God. But you know, if you engage with others, when you say, I'm having a challenge here, would you pray with me? There's strength in that. There's a camaraderie that comes, you know, when we're, you know, and, and what's unfortunate a lot of times is, is people don't really want to be very transparent because then that would somehow or another, you know, indicate that they're a failure. You, listen to me, when you're enduring temptation, when you're dealing with situations in your life, nothing could be further from the truth, you know, when it comes to saying, well, I'm just weak or this or that or the other, and I should be able to do this on my own. No, the Bible says to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We need one another. It's not wrong to say I'm being challenged. It's not wrong to say I'm in a battle. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about how the devil had come and, and gave him a thorn in the flesh, the, a messenger from Satan. What was he trying to do? To, to overthrow Paul's ministry, to overthrow his life, to destroy him. And yet in his writing, he said, I sought the Lord three different times about this. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. And there's a lot more that we could talk about in the context of that. But, you know, he wasn't embarrassed by the fact that hell had showed up on his doorstep. And that happens in our lives. It already has. If it hasn't, it will. And there'll be temptations. There'll be all kinds of things that we have to deal with. But accountability, my friend, is an awesome thing. Amen. I said amen. Let me say that one more time. Amen. And not only that, but there are other things that we could talk about in the context of this to make sure. Because again, you know, to get to the end, to say what Paul said, that's the objective. That I, that I, didn't, I didn't fall away, that I didn't get offended and go out in the weeds someplace and, and not be engaged in what, what God wanted for me in my life. We want to finish our course. We want to do it to the end. We want to fulfill divine purpose. Can you say amen? amen? And it's important for us to think in those terms. 
But again, it's not an easy thing to do. You know, really, just ask anybody around you. I mean, if I had time, I'd allow you the opportunity to have a conversation. And I guarantee you, every person around you would say, oh, yeah, man, we've had our challenges. We've had to deal with this. We've had to deal with that. You know, there's, there's, there's plenty enough uh, pitfalls and people being sidetracked and being ambushed and deceptions and disillusionments and discouragements and despair and every other D word and, you know, betrayals, offenses, misconceptions, false assumptions, misguidance, you name it, it's out there. You say, my God, Pastor, we're walking through a minefield. Well, that might be true, but thank God we're not walking alone. I said we're not walking alone. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, glory to God, he'll keep us. But in spite of all of this, there's a path, a course of divine destiny and direction that God promises to help you and I be able to navigate with, ensuring that we get to the place that God intended. Everybody say, that's where I'm going. Yeah, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, if you would, please. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. We're talking about staying the course. We're talking about finishing the race. Glory to God. You want to get old, and you want to be able to talk about Jesus. You don't want to get old and say, well, you know, I used to live for him. I used to be a follower of him. But, you know, somebody did something wrong, and, you know, I didn't like this or that or the other, and so now I'm just out in the weeds, you know, living this non-existent existence. Are you listening to me? You want your kids and grandkids to be able to say, I'm so glad that grandma and grandpa or mom and dad lived for God. Are you listening to me? They gave us an example so that we could follow in their steps. That's not always easy. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But I tell you what, it, it, it affords a, 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 an incredibly rich reward. Hallelujah. Look at this verse of Scripture here in Hebrews chapter 12. You know, the writer of Hebrews is, you know, basically instructing us or giving us some advice on how to do this, how to, how to stay the course, how to finish and run the race. Notice here in verse 1 it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are encompassed or compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight or encumbrance or burden or hindrance, and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us. How are we to do that? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and want to faint in your mind. You've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And that's exactly what he did in Gethsemane. He strove against the sin of disobedience. You know, he didn't want to go to that cross any more than many times in our lives we have difficult decisions and things. And even though what we deal with is in no comparison to what he did. But thank God he was willing to give his all 
so that you and I could be here today and rejoice in the blessing of God. But you'll notice in this scripture, you know, just prior to this, in chapter 11, we've got what we call faith's hall of fame. You know, and it says that by faith, these different individuals did what they did. You know, life is a life of faith if you're going to be a follower of Christ. Because we believe something. We believe his word. We believe what he said. And we pattern or we, we, we guide our lives on the basis of what it is that he has told us. He said, walk in love. Love never fails. You know, if, if people make the decision that they're going to be lovers instead of haters, and we got so much hate going on right now. I mean, you see it manifested everywhere. People are out of their, their minds because of this, that, and the other. And the Bible tells us that that would happen. But there are those that have gone before us who kept the faith. There are those that have gone before us that ran the race. There are those that have gone before us that finished their course. And that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to be that witness. He wants your name written in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. You know, it's still being written. We just have a record of so many. And then when, when the writer is writing about this, he then concludes and says, since we also are encompassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. You know, there are people that have lived for God all their days and went on to be with Jesus. They're a witness to the resurrection power of what God can do in every one of our lives. So we just have to choose and we have to say, I'm not going to quit. I am not going back. Remember Lot's wife. Huh? And so it's important for us to think about these things. So the first key to staying or finishing your course is to keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on the prize, because there's a prize. Remember when Paul was talking, he says, I don't, I, don't, I don't consider myself to have apprehended, but there is one thing I'm doing, forgetting those things that are behind. Any of you ever had any failings? Made any mistakes? Yes, we all have. But thank God we're not going to park, you know, by whatever it is that happened in the past of our lives, but rather we're going to stand up, we're going to look up, and we're going to start moving in a direction, praise God, that is Christ-honoring. You don't want to wind up in hell because you chose not to be a follower of him. And yet there are people that are making those decisions every day. It's a matter of choice. It's not a matter of who did you wrong. It's not a matter about, you know, what somebody didn't do right. It's a matter of your choice. And people need to get it. They need to understand that. Some people just don't get it. But thank God you can choose wisely. God told the nation of Israel, I've set before you life, death, blessing, and cursing. So be smart and choose life so that you and your seed will live. It does not cost to serve God. It pays. Are you with me? Now, you can listen to whatever human reasoning that you want. But I'll tell you this much. The final outcome, and at the end of the day, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. So for those of you that are in a battle, for those of you that are struggling, hallelujah, welcome to the party. 
And I encourage you, glory to God, stay the course, keep on keeping on, renounce sin, walk away from whatever the devil is offering you, repent, turn, and follow the Savior. Glory to God. Don't be a foolish person who says, I don't need him. You're so deceived. You have no idea what you're thinking. You've been told a lie because we need him. We all need him. Hallelujah. Keep your eyes on Jesus. What do I mean by that? I mean, you know, what, I mean, what's that mean? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Well, I, I would like to suggest to you that it's important for you to keep him in the forefront of your thinking, in your mind. In other words, what is it that Jesus told us to do? In other words, didn't he tell us how to live? I mean, don't we have a New Testament with letters that have been written about what it is we're to do and what it is that we're not to do, uh, what we're to put off and what we're to put on? Isn't that in there? So he told us not only how to live, but how to love and how to respond to the challenges within the world in which we live. He spoke to a bunch of people on one occasion, and the Bible says he uh, uh, spoke to those that believed on him, but he said, if you'll continue in my word, if you will continue, that means to abide. It means to keep. It means to uh, uh, wait for if, or, or stay. If you'll continue or stay in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you what? Free. free. How many of you want to be free? I don't know about you, but I like freedom. Amen. But that's the way that it happens. And there's always going to be opportunities to walk away. Always. Just choose to pass them up. Are you with me? Whatever the offer might be. You remember on one occasion when Jesus was preaching, he said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't be my disciple. Well, that, that messed with some people's heads. I mean, how do you interpret that? Well, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, uh, eating his flesh, drinking his blood. You know, basically what that meant was you are to come and believe. Let me, let me show it to you real quickly. Turn to John's Gospel, and I'll show you this verse of Scripture. Chapter 6. You know, because a lot, they didn't get this, of course, and it caused a lot of people to be overthrown. But notice here. I've got to find it because this was not part of my plan. <clears throat> Look at verse 33, John chapter 6 and 33. Yeah, okay. Verse 33, For the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven. Who was that? That was Jesus. For the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world. And then they said to him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Now listen, he that comes to me shall never what? So the, the, the aspect of eating his flesh means to come to him. The implication, are you with me? Notice what it goes on then to say. It says, and he that believes on me shall never what? So, come and believe. 
eat and drink. Are you listening to me? And then it went on to say then, um, <clears throat> he said, he said uh, <laughs> you've seen me, but yet you don't believe, and there are a lot of things else that he said here. Hallelujah. Let's read them. Look at 37. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, come to me, and he that comes to me will in no wise, will I no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Did you know that Jesus is gathering his sheepfold? Even this morning, there'll be those that are ushered into the kingdom of God, into the family of God, that'll be born of the Spirit of God. And every chair, praise God, at his banqueting table is going to be filled. Hallelujah. You're one of them. You're one that has been swept up in all of this. And all the more reason for us to be excited about what it is that God is doing in the earth today. Because I'm telling you, he's reaching this world. And pretty soon everyone's going to hear and everybody's going to know. And then the end will come. Hallelujah. So it makes it all the more important for us as believers to make sure, praise God, that we're heading the right direction. So Jesus is talking about this. About eating his flesh and drinking his blood. People say, man, this is weird stuff. How many of you have ever been in a, a service or a Bible study or whatever and you didn't understand something? Huh? What is this talking about? What does that mean? I mean, whatever. Well, you don't just throw up your hands and say, this stuff's spooky. This is weird. I'm not going to. No, you need to search and you will find. Hallelujah. Ask and it shall be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock, it'll be open to you. You know, just because you don't understand something doesn't mean you just forget it. Are you with me? Mind the right house. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time for you to wake up. Hallelujah. Hopefully you weren't sleeping. Praise the Lord. But here's what the Bible says. From that time, after, you know, what Jesus made these statements, from that time, many of his disciples went back. They went back. I said they went back. They said, I don't understand that, man. I remember when I got filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, there were the people that were all in, and they were all, and then there were the people that were dragging their feet. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I don't know about that. That's speaking with other tongues. I've heard that's of the devil. Well, <laughs> I've said it a hundred times, but listen, I served the devil faithfully. And if anybody should have got tongues from the devil, it should have been me. And I didn't get it. Now, praise God, I didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost until I met Jesus. Hallelujah. But you know, there was a divide. There was a division. There's people going that way and this way. I'm so glad, glory to God, I went with the Holy Ghost folk. Are you listening to me? Thank God for the, I say that, thank God for the Holy Ghost. You ought to thank God for the Holy Ghost. You may not understand him, but I tell you this much about it. He came to help you. He came to put you over in life. You say, yeah, but you know, that's divisive. I've heard that before. You know, I've heard people say when you talk about the Holy Ghost, you know, and you're telling them the scriptures and what the Bible has to say, and they say, well, that's a little leading, isn't it? In other words, it's as though you're, you're leading them into error. Hey, it's the Bible. Come on, for crying out loud. I can't, you know, I didn't write it. Huh? But the, the idea that it's, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're leading me into something, you know, that, that isn't true. Well, that reasoning keeps them out of the blessing of God. 
The Bible says, you beloved, building up yourselves upon your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Say it one more time. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Oh, and I need to pray and I don't know what to do. He helps me in my weakness and allows the power of the living God to flow through my being to address the needs that are within my life. Glory to God. He gives me wisdom and answers and power to be able to overcome whatever it is that has come my way. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. We have something available to us that many don't even use because they don't think they need. And they live this mediocre, weak kind of life instead of what Jesus came to give them. Thank God for His power. Everybody say it together, I have His power. If you don't have His power, you ought to get it. Ain't nobody going to talk you into it. You've you got to decide for yourself. A lot of people, they don't get filled with the Holy Ghost because they don't have faith for it. Huh? Are you still here? Are you going home? Say, yeah. Well, you know what? Praise God. There's a couple different ways to live. You know, I'm telling you. I, I mean, I could talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost all day long. And what it is, it's done, I mean, I wouldn't even, even want to do what I do if I wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost. Because you are ill-equipped, not only just to do life, but to be in any kind of a pastoral ministry or any kind of other ministry that is involved. Man, if you aren't filled with the Holy Ghost, you are at an impasse. You have deficiency. You need the Holy Ghost to put you over. Glory to God. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, I could have a shouting match right now. Glory to God. Amen. You know, when hell shows up, it's nice to have the Holy Ghost. You say, well, how does hell show up? When people get ornery and people get ugly and people say mean things to you. You say, well, pastors, people, have they said mean things to you? Dude, they talk about me all the time. But I don't care. Glory to God. Because greater is he that is in me than the devil that is in them. Are you listening to me? Why would I want to listen to them? I mean, I've been criticized by experts. If I tried to live my life the way everybody wants me to live, I would be crazy. Thank God I don't have to do that. There's only one that I'm going to get to have to answer to. Not you. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? You know, if that were the case, I'd have quit a long time ago. And why I'm talking about all this, I have no earthly idea. Yeah, I'd have quit a long time ago. I'd say, man, I don't need this. Huh? But I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for him. Because he asked my wife and I to do it. Praise God. Thank God for his amazing grace. Amen. We've had ample opportunities to quit. Huh? You know, the devil never uses people, you know, that are out in the you know, peripherals, out someplace, you know, where they don't really much matter to you. The devil uses people close to you, right here. Who was it that betrayed Jesus? A guy right here. But you know, that guy, he never, his heart never belonged to Jesus. All he was interested in was money. 
and he sought his opportunity, he took it and ended up killing himself. Are you with me? So, you know, a lot of times, you know, you'll have uh, family situations, close, you know, close friends or whatever, and, and you end up, you know, something happens, betrayal, you know, stabbed in the back, somebody says something or, or does something so unexpectedly. Hey, listen, don't think it's some kind of surprise that, like I said, the devil isn't going to use somebody out here that you don't know. You're going to use somebody else. And then now you're going to have to decide how you are going to respond. And I got to tell you, sometimes that's not an easy task. Sometimes you got to work through, you got to push through. You got to say, listen, I don't care, I'm not quitting. Praise God, and I'm not going to let this bump in the road destroy my life or anybody around me. Are you listening to me? Am I in the right house? Because God wants you to finish your course. Amen. And these things are designed just for that. Jesus said, you know, man, it is inevitable that offenses are going to come. But I tell you what, praise God, you can pass a test. Amen? So after all these people quit walking with Jesus and walked no more with him, Jesus turned and said to the twelve, will you also go away? It's a test. Sometimes you get in situations in your life and it's a test. And God wants you to pass the test. Say, though none go with me, still I will follow. Are you with me? You know? And so he just turned to them. You know, you would, you would think in the context of that, that Jesus would say, hey man, don't leave me now. Everybody else is bailing on me. He didn't do that. Because he was one who knew who his father was, and he was the one he was pleasing. So he turned to them and said, will you go too? You leaving? God doesn't beg you to serve him. He asks of you to be a follower of his, but he gives you the choice. Are you listening? God doesn't owe you anything. He already gave you everything that he could, but we owe him a lot. Are you listening to me? So you just ask him, are you going to? And this was their response. Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where are we going to go? Where are you going to go in the world? Are you going to go to universalism? Are you going to go to some other weird kind of theology and doctrine? Are you going to go to, you know, just the world's way and secularize yourself and, you know, just get the best of whatever it is you think you can out of this life before you die? Is that what you're going to do? Or are you going to follow him? Are you going to finish your course? You're going to do what he said. You're going to fight life's fight. You're going to do what God wants you to do. You're going to be a follower of him. They said, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. It's hard for us to get our head wrapped around it, but we know that what you're saying is true. And the same thing may be of you. Hallelujah. So anyway, there are a lot of things that Jesus said they didn't understand, but they stayed the course. Everybody say, they stayed and that's what God wants you. You know, there's stuff that will go on in your lives, you guys. And I mean, all of a sudden, you're just minding your own business, and all of a sudden, you're flying upside down. Inverted. Something, I don't know what, come your way, dude, and all of a sudden, you're going, which end is up here? Huh? It's in those moments when we need Him, and we need to keep our eyes on Him. Am I in the right house? 
You know, it's important, you guys. I mean, this is real. This is life. This is how we, we live, is by being a follower of Him and staying the course. Let me ask you a few questions. You ever been confused? For the rest of you that aren't responding, we'll pray for you later, because we know you have. You ever been disillusioned? Oh, my gosh. When we first started our church, it was like, you know, kumbaya. Everybody loved Jesus. It was a new thing, and we're all excited, and we're having all these love feasts together. You know, we'd, ha- we'd have lunch with one another every Sunday. Everybody was there. Everybody brought something. I mean, we all gained, like, I don't know how many pounds. But then after about six months, all of a sudden, something changed. We got to talking about the government of the church and who was going to run it, you know, who was going to be in charge. And guess what? The love feast was over. And you know, here we are, 21, 22 years old, and we're just, you know, endeavoring to obey God, and we just think, you know, it's going to be so great, and all this and that and the other. It's not always great, because people are still human, and they have a lot of different ideas about the way things ought to go. So we had a, I guess you'd say a split. Some people split. (laughs) But we didn't. I said we didn't. We kept on keeping on. And God continued to add to the church daily. And now 43 years later, thank God, He's doing amazing things. I'm glad we didn't quit. But you know, at that time, for a 21 and 22-year-old, I'm telling you what, it'll rock your world. Huh? You'll get disillusioned. Hey, God, whoa, 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 what's this? I didn't see this coming. You know, there's a lot of stuff you don't see coming. How many of you have ever had something you didn't see coming? That's called an ambush. Huh? It's of the devil is what it is. So you've got to decide what you're going to do. You say, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Praise God. We're going to hunker down here, figure out what's going on, look to the Lord and believe Him, and He's going to deliver us. Come on now. That's the way we, we treat these things. You ever been discouraged with life? With faith? With, with lots of things? How many of you, you know, maybe you got a little thing going on right now and you haven't heard, you haven't gotten your prayer answered? Huh? All right, let's just keep moving. Praise God. You ever been hurt? You ever been offended? You ever, you know, are you feeling lukewarm? Whew! Well, guess what he said? If you like that, he's going to spit you out of your mouth. You might want to get that changed. But there's probably a reason why. And most of the time it's tied to a lie or some form of deception that is endeavoring to take you out of the sheepfold and keep you from continuing to move forward. Come on now. The Bible says that you and I are not ignorant of his devices. He's got schemes. He's got wiles. He's got things that he uses to try to destroy people's lives. But thank God you are not without light. You're not without understanding. You're not without knowing glory to God that greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world and that you're not going to quit. Yeah, you're going to have to go through stuff. That's life. But thank God you're on the winning side. Can you say amen? Hmm. Any of you ever thought you know more than those around you? 
Don't answer that question. Huh? You know, there's some people, well, you can't tell me anything. Well, guess what? You're probably setting yourself up for a fall. Pride comes before a what? You don't know everything. Matter of fact, you don't know hardly anything. But thank God for what you do know. So just get happy about that. Stay humble and reverent before God, and he'll teach you some more stuff. Boy, if you could only see the faces that I see right now. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Navigating through the minefields of life is not always an easy journey. But you have to decide, you guys, that you're not going to be a casualty. Nobody's going to do that for you. Okay? And I know sometimes, praise God, you've got to gird up the loins of your mind. You know, thank God for people that can come around you and help you. But I mean, at the end of the day, baby, it's about you, a mano a mano, you and him. And you have to decide what you're going to do. Because, praise God, he's on your side. I, wanna, I got a story, an illustration. There was a guy by the name of John Bigzagno, I think is the way you pronounce his name. He was actually a, a Baptist preacher and minister down in Houston. But when he was <clears throat> about to finish college... He was having dinner over at his fiancée's house one night. And so after supper, he was talking with his future father-in-law, Dr. Paul Beck, out on the porch. And Dr. Beck had been in the ministry for years, and, and that was inevitably the subject uh, toward which the conversation ended up going to. And so he said, John, as you get ready to enter into the ministry, I want to give you some advice. How I many of you know old people do know a few things? Huh? You know, here for last decade or so, there's been this great big move where we don't need the older ones anymore. They don't really know anything. We got this new thing going on. Yeah, huh? Okay. Well, anyway, so he said, I want to give you some advice, Dr. Beck told the younger man. He said, stay true to Jesus. Make sure you keep your heart close to Jesus every day. It's a long way from here to where you're going to. And Satan is in no hurry to get you. You say, Satan's after me? You better believe it. Why? Because you represent the king. You are the object of God's love. You are his prized possession, his grand creation, and he loves you. So hell is always after what it is that God prizes. Are you listening to me? And so what he does so often, and that's why you need to grow in your character. You know, as human beings, you need to mature. You need to grow up. You need to take your own stand. You need to be responsible. You need to become ethical in the way that you live. You need to be honest. You need to learn these things in your life. Don't live a lie. Learn to be the people that God wants you to be. Because this is what's going to happen. You know, when it comes to an individual, what the devil does is he begins to walk around your life. And he's looking for a place to enter. And what he's looking for is a weakness in your character. And when he finds that, he said, boys, this is where we're going. It may be in morality. It it might be in ethics and how you live. It may be in God only knows what. But what you have to do is you have to put signs up all around you and says, Thou shall not enter here. You have to do that. Ain't your mama's faith? 
ain't your daddy's faith. It's your faith. Hallelujah. Well, anyway, in my story here, the older man continued, listen, it's been my observation that just one out of ten who start out in full-time service for the Lord at 21 are still on track at the age of 65. They're shot down morally. They're shot down with discouragement. They're shot down with liberal theology. Uh, they got obsessed with making money. But for one reason or another, nine out of ten fall. And that's true. Well, the 21-year-old Bizagno, if that's the right way you pronounce it, was shocked. He said, I just can't believe that. That's impossible. That just can't be true. I just can't believe that. Well, so in the back of his Bible, his Schofield Bible, he wrote down 24 names of his contemporaries and his peers that were in Bible college with him at that time. They were sold out for Jesus Christ, trained for the ministry, burning in their desire to be used of the Lord. Bizogno relates the following with a sigh. He said, I'm now 53 years old. He said, from, the from time to time, as the years have gone by, I've had to turn to the back uh, to that page in my Bible and cross out a name. He said, I wrote down those 24 names when I was just 20 years of age. 33 years later, there are only three names remaining of the original 24. There's a few occupational hazards that goes along with this deal. Don't get all worried about it. I'm all right, okay? We're going to finish our course, man. We're going to run this pig right out on to the end. Glory to God. Amen. How many of you ever jumped off a high board? Isn't it a blast? You know, some of you don't even know what a high board is. We used to have three-meter boards, you know, and we jump. Now the insurance and liability and all this uh, stuff. You know, don't even let the kid to have fun. But I'm telling you, there's nothing like climbing up that baby for the first time. Your own knees are shaking and all that. But, baby, I mean, it is awesome to jump off that thing. Amen. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Amen. We're going to jump off into eternity. Are you listening to me? And so are you. Everybody say, so am I. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> how many of you ever heard of Billy Graham? <laughs> of course you have. Who hasn't? Who hasn't? Has anybody never heard of Billy Graham? No, man, he's a national figure. Everybody knows who Billy Graham is. But let me ask you this question. How many of you know about Chuck Templeton? Or Bron Clifford? You probably have to be old to get them. Okay. You ever heard of them? Anybody ever heard of them? Billy Graham wasn't the only young preacher packing auditoriums in 1945. Chuck Templeton and Braun Clifford were accomplishing the same thing and more. All three young men were in their 20s or mid-20s. One seminary president, after hearing Chuck Templeton preach one evening to an audience of thousands called him the most gifted and talented young man in America today for preaching. Templeton and Graham were friends. Both ministered for Youth for Christ. Both were extraordinary preachers. Yet in those early years, most observers probably would probably had put their money on Templeton. 
As a matter of fact, in 1946, the National Association of Evangelicals published an article on men who were best used of God in that organization's five-year existence. The article highlighted the ministry of Chuck Templeton. Billy Graham was never mentioned. Templeton, many felt, would be the next Babe Ruth of evangelism. Braun Clifford was yet another gifted 25-year-old fireball. In 1945, many believed Clifford was the most gifted and powerful preacher the church had seen in centuries. In the same year, Clifford preached to an auditorium of thousands in Miami, Florida. People lined up 10 and 12 deep outside the auditorium trying to get in later that same year when Clifford was preaching in a chapel at Baylor University. The president ordered class bells turned off so that the young man could minister without interruption to the student body. And for two hours and 15 minutes, he kept those students on the edge of their seats as he preached on the subject, Christ and the Philosopher's Stone. I would like to hear that, heard that, huh? At the age of 25, Clifford touched more lives, influenced more leaders, set more attendance records than any other clergyman his age in American history. National leaders vied for his attention. He was tall, handsome, intelligent, and eloquent. Hollywood invited him to an audition for a part in... uh, Marcellus, to play the part of Marcellus in the robe, it seemed as if he had everything. Graham, Templeton, Clifford. 1945, all three came shooting out at the starting block like rockets. You heard of Billy Graham, so now you've heard of the other three. Especially, they came out so strong together. In just five years, Templeton left the ministry to pursue a career as a radio and television commentator and newspaper columnist. Templeton had decided that he was no longer a believer in Christ in the orthodox sense of the term. Here's a guy that has the power of God flowing through him, and all of a sudden he goes stupid. You know, people do it all the time. They walk away from God, they go live in the world, and they go do their dirt and whatever. I'm telling you what, we're in a battle. Are you listening to me? Keep your eyes open, praise God. So it goes on then to say that uh, um, by 1950, this future Babe Ruth wasn't even in the game, no longer believed in the validity of the claims of Jesus Christ. What about Clifford? By 1954, which would have been basically nine years later, Clifford had lost his family, his ministry, his health, and then his life. Alcohol and financial irresponsibility had done him in. There's a book entitled The Leadership Principles of Billy Graham. If you can ever get a copy of it, it was published a long time ago, but it is outstanding. Billy put stuff in place to where accountability and everything else was, I mean, spotless. And it caused him to endure. Well, this guy didn't do that. Alcohol, financial irresponsibility had done him in. He wound up leaving his wife and their two daughters, uh, or their two children. At just 35 years of age, this once great preacher died from cirrhosis of the liver in a rundown motel on the edge of Amarillo. His last job was selling used cars in the Panhandle of Texas. He died, as John Hagee put it, unwept, unhonored, and unsung. 
Some pastors in Amarillo took up a collection among themselves in order to purchase a casket so that his body could be shipped back to the east for a decent burial in a cemetery for the poor. In 1945, three young men with extraordinary gifts were preaching the gospel to a multiplied thousands across the nation. Within 10 years, only one of them was left. You just mean, you need to make, make it up in your own mind. That ain't going to happen to me. That you're going to stay in the game. That you're going to stay in the church. That you're going to keep your kids in the church as much as you can. I mean, they get to a place of accountability. They've got to decide what they're going to do. And it's not your fault. You know, the devil will beat people up with condemnation and say, you know, I didn't do this right, and I should have done that, and this and that and the other. I mean, at the end of the day, dear friends, every one of us are accountable for how we're going to live. And it's not your fault. Are you listening to me? So when they get to the age of accountability, they can just... I mean, you think about the nation of Israel when they were being taken into the promised land. And, you know, because of their unbelief, their stiff-necked, unbelieving hearts, God said, that's it, we're done. And he said, anything 20 years of age and above, you're going to die in the wilderness. I'm going to judge you out of your own mouth because you've been complaining and murmuring and griping and all of this kind of stuff. Dude, don't let that happen. Don't let your spirit be spoiled by other people in their visceral kinds of junk. Say, man, I'm out of this. My little granddaughter's smart enough to do that. She's got a neighbor, and this neighbor, you know, has some kids, and they could be better, and this one particularly has a lot of negative things. And finally, my little granddaughter, she's four years old, and she says, I'm sorry, but I don't really want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Huh? Because Lily doesn't have a bad bone in her body, man. She's just a happy girl. Are you with me? So don't let people spoil you with their, with their yuck. Hallelujah. Say, you know what? I think you need to go get a bath in the blood. Huh? Go find something else. Glory to God. On a personal basis, there were 574 people that graduated from Bible college the same year I did, 574. And um, I'd, I'd really be curious to know their outcome. You know, I know some of them, they didn't make it. I know some of them that did. And I celebrate those, praise God, that are still in the battle. You know, Gary and Connie Corral, we've had them here for many years. He was in, you know, they, 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 they cut us up into six groups. So depending on your last name, that's where you were. I didn't know Gary when I was in school. But he didn't know me. But we's from Iowa, a bunch of Iowegians. He came from Mount Pleasant, you know. And here's a guy who didn't even like people. I'm not sure that he still does. But anyway, you know, he, w he had already bought all of his supplies and everything. He, he had his uh, uh, um, black powder gun, and he was heading for Alaska. And he was going to homestead and get away from people. And guess what? God showed up. And I tell you what, he and his wife, Connie, over the last 40-some years have went around this world preaching the gospel. 
and giving their lives. Right now, he just right now he just moved last Tuesday to uh, Austin, Texas, and is going to pioneer a church there. You know, I tell you what, praise God. Those are the kind of people I like to keep company with. Are you listening to me? Why? Because they're going to run their race. They're going to finish their course. They're going to keep on keeping on. They're not going to let people kick them to the curb and say, well, you're too old. You can't do anything anymore. Are you listening to me? And I tell you what, you need to do the same thing, families, husbands, mamas. You know, praise God, you need to make up your mind that as for you and your house, you're going to live for God. Amen. This is, this is a long, long race. Hallelujah. You know, one of my peers, one of the people that I'm familiar with, uh, I was just in one of the, um, it was basically a minister's um, uh, conference or just a day-long thing. And he made this statement. He said that uh, he mentioned 20 ministers of prominence and promise fell in 2020 during COVID. 20 of them. That's a lot. In other words, they're no longer in the ministry. They had some kind of failing. Something happened, you know, and they're, they're no longer there. And you may say, well, you know, those are all really interesting stories, but they really don't relate to me. Really? Are you a Christian? Huh? Are you a husband? Are you a wife? Do you have kids? I will guarantee you that what I just got done telling you applies. Are you with me? Everybody say it together. I'm going to finish my race. Don't let the things that are around you, the world, squeeze you into its mold. But rather be renewed by the Spirit of God and the Word. You're in it. Hallelujah. And I tell you what, He wants you to run it, praise God. That's why Jesus came. He emerged victorious so that you and I, praise God, could follow His lead. Everybody say, I can do that. Everybody say, I have His power. And that's the thing, you know, I mean... um, There's a lot of different things. Well, turn with me real quickly. we got to get going here. You guys, has somebody been messing with the clock? Look here at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we'll close with this. Woo-wee! Everybody say it again, I have his power. I tell you what, you've got everything you need. Peter said that. Exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. Notice this in 1 Corinthians 9. I'm actually going to read it uh, from uh, the New International. No, I'm sorry. Um, English Standard Version. Verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. You know, right now, they, you know, we got this deal going on, you know, where, you know, n- nobody comes in first place. We're all equal. Guess what? That's a lie. Somebody wins and somebody loses. Thanks for your excitement. You know, when, when I was running in a race, I wasn't out there. Man, I cannot wait to get last. So excited about the possibility that everyone else is going to outrun me. This is going to be so great. It's so counterintuitive. No, dude, you're out there to win. Huh? So run that you may obtain. 
Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. We do it for an imperishable crown. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one that's beating the air. But I discipline my body. I keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. We don't want to be disqualified. You want to be disqualified? No, I don't. Well, we were watching our grandson in a race, and, and this one little kid, you know, it was in junior high, so they do a lot of funny things. And so he, there's a guy that's coming up on him. It's a, it's a long race. And this one guy, this little kid, he's, he's ahead of this guy, but he, he sees that he's coming. <laughs> so he's really not, you know, uh, putting out a whole lot of effort because when he sees him coming, he realizes he's coming around him, so he runs over here. You know, so the kid, he runs back over this way, and the guy runs over here. What's he doing? Well, he obviously, he's trying to keep him from getting in front of him. Guess what? He got disqualified. <laughs> Are you listening to me? So we all got to run our race to the best of our abilities. And I tell you, here's the most amazing thing about all of it, you guys. And that is Jesus came and he said, I'm going to send somebody to help you called the Holy Ghost, a comforter, that he may be with you forever. His indwelling presence is what puts you at an advantage to be able to run your race, praise God, all the way to the finish line. So you just have to decide, dear friends, and I know most of you already have, it is your resolve that you're going to follow Him all the days of your life. Don't let the world around you, you know, talk you out of what it is that you know is true. Your lives, so many of you, your lives are so much different than what they were when you for before you met him. I just happened to notice Diane Hyatt. You know, Diane and I, well, we, we kind of grew up B.C., before Christ. I knew her, she knew me, and different things like that. And I think about what it is that Jesus has done in her life, what he's done in my life. Some of you have the same kind of stories. You've got people you know that you knew that didn't know Jesus, and all of a sudden this transformational power came into their lives, and through repentance, praise God, and calling on the name of the Lord, they became saved. I think about Merle Avis. I use him as an example because he was really bad. <laughs> he was a bad, 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 bad guy. Really bad. But thank God he met Jesus. And only Jesus could turn that guy into what he is today. No, no therapies, no blah, 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 blah. Only Jesus and his miracle working power could make a new creation out of him and really all of us. Isn't that true? So thank God for his power. Everybody say it again. I have his power. You got his power. Glory to God. Let's everybody stand if you would please. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Y'all glad you came today? Amen. Let's just commit these things to our hearts here. I just want to pray for a minute. And the, the Lord, he may have some things that he wants to challenge some people with or whatever. And uh, uh, we want to obey him and do that. Praise God. Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you. And God, I'm so grateful, Father God, that you've given us the right of choice. And we choose you. We choose Jesus. We choose what it is He's done for us. Father, I pray for those that are here within the sound of my voice and even those that may be watching, Father, through the Internet. 
And God, I realize that we run into places in our lives where we don't understand and we become disillusioned and sometimes discouraged about life and, you know, our faith and all of these different kinds of things. But God, I just want to thank you this morning that you are forever true. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing in every home, in every house, in every individual's life, Father God, that has made this church their home. And God, as we pray together today, I want to thank you, God, for working supernaturally in a way as only you can. And so while every head is bowed, eyes closed, no one's looking around, but you may be here this morning and and you feel that sense of discouragement or despair or somehow or another, you know, just kind of lost. But I tell you what, God wants to restore you. He wants to bring you back into an understanding of what it is that he wants to do. But he needs your consent. He needs you to say yes. He needs you to say, Father, help me. So while every head is bowed, eyes closed, no one's looking around, if you're here this morning and somehow or another that this message has touched a place in your heart and you know it, it's undeniable, and you realize that God wants to do something in your life and you say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, Would you pray for me? Because I want to make a change right here, right now, where my life is concerned. Can I see your hand anywhere as I look across this crowd today? Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Bless you. Anyone else? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Let it be your your song your anthem, that you have decided to follow Jesus. Amen. Anybody else before we pray? Thank you, Lord. Pray this prayer with me, church. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? I'm sorry I didn't mean to get in a rush. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Oh, thank you, Father God, for touching hearts, touching lives. You know, while your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, maybe you're here this morning, you've never, ever made a commitment to Christ. You know, maybe you just, you know, you've been a church goer, but to honestly say, hey, man, I am all in with Christ. Maybe that's never happened. Well, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. That's what the Bible says. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I know I should, but I don't really want to right now. Well, you know, opportunity may pass. So if you're here today and you've never made that decision, you say, Pastor, by your uplifted hand, would you pray for me? I want to know him in a real and genuine way. Can I see your hand anywhere as you're standing? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Anybody at all? All right, for those of you that are gathered, let's pray together out loud and let's help these that have raised their hand and responded. Praise God to have their need met. Say this with me, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today without reservation and I thank you, Lord, that you have made it possible for me to finish my race. Forgive me, Father, for my doubt and unbelief and for my questioning of what it is you promised. Today is a new day for me, Lord, and I make the decision to once again follow you. Thank you, Lord, for encouraging me in my walk with you today. And I thank you for your blessing in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Praise God. You may be seated.